In a previous episode, we've discussed how educators are designers, and that process is time-consuming. Eventually, all designers will need to refuel, right? Some designers may choose the professional drive through visiting Twitter, YouTube, possibly TikTok for a quick tip or pick-me-up. But here's a new thought to digest. Will visiting the drive through regularly lead to the intentional and continued growth we really crave? As the Grounded Learners Guild rounds out our first season and prepares to spend the summer relaxing and recharging, it's time to consider a potluck and open your mind to how the dynamic can shift when everyone brings something to the table to share. Joining us at our table this episode is Kathy Dixon. Kathy is an experienced elementary and secondary teacher and currently teaches middle school math and literature. She's also a community coach for Open Up Resources, vlogger, and valued member of our professional learning network. And you can connect with her as well. Find her on Twitter at MathReflective. Hungry yet? Grab a plate and join us as we discuss the nourishing power of contributing to a PLN. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Coakland, and me, Jenny Labrie. While potluck dinners might not be everybody's cup of tea, the symbolism behind the American tradition is actually quite beautiful. Potluck dinners symbolize community. Everyone can literally bring something to the table to share. They provide nourishment and are efficient use of time and resources. Why expend the energy feeding a large group alone when it could be done in collaboration with others? So let's go ahead and dig in. We've brought a PLN potluck superstar with us today to dish about this particular topic. So it's our intention to help our guild members find a seat at the PLN table and shift from professional learning network consumers to creators. So we're super, super excited to have our second guest on the podcast tonight, Miss Kathy Dixon. She is a sixth grade math teacher currently. And Kathy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I like to tell people that I'm in the second part of my teaching career because I formerly was an elementary teacher, taught first and second grade for about nine years. And then because of my husband's job and traveling, decided to leave teaching for a number of years, about 11 years, and came back in the last eight or nine years. So now I teach middle school math and I absolutely love it. I'm an empty nester, although the two dogs are, are trouble daily, so I don't feel quite alone. My husband and I battle with that. And I just am very passionate about teaching math and I love working with sixth grade and middle school. And the reason we really wanted to include you in this episode is because you have some amazing expansive experiences as a creator and collaborator yourself, right? Virtual collaborator. You have a blog, right? I have a vlog <gasps> on great. YouTube called The Math Reflective. Yes. And our school started piloting a particular math resource called Open Up Resources 6-8 Math, which is an open education resource. So it is free to all. The professional development for teachers costs and any paper or hands-on materials costs, but it is essentially a free resource and always will be. So we were playing in the sandbox one spring with it, our team, and just fell in love with the access for all students, the rigor that it offers, the inquiry-based learning that it offers. It's run by, you know, mathematical discourse. And it really fell at a time where our own PLC in our school was already headed that direction. So fast forward about six months, 
I just felt like I was bursting to share more about it and how it had transformed my classroom, my students, my own professional development. So much that in the same time was looking at travel vlogs for an upcoming anniversary trip, started to imagine, well, could I share by vlogging about this resource? I think that has opened up some other amazing opportunities with you and this mathematical resource. Do you want to talk about those a little bit? Absolutely. So for a year, I was really a consumer, as you were talking about before. Just going on, there are some Facebook community sites for each grade level, 6th, 7th, and 8th, that are devoted to providing a forum for teachers who also teach this resource all around the country. And they share resources. So I was just taking it all in doing this resource in our own school, but also aware that there was a lot of other ways to get involved. There were things on Twitter. I was not really a Twitter person, a little intimidated by it. But a year later, I got interested in being a part of the company, actually. I approached, I can't remember what her job title was at the time. Her name is Brooke Powers. But I approached her through Facebook Messenger and just said, is anybody vlogging about your program? And she said, no, but I'd love to meet with you and talk more about that because I'm just not necessarily wired to be a blogger and to take the time to write, but I'm a good talker. I like to talk. Maybe I'm not a good talker, but I like to talk. (laughs) I felt like maybe video, you know, would be that forum and I could do that on YouTube. So she said, go ahead and start making things. And that went on for a year to the point where she invited me to interview to have a side hustle. They employ as independent contractors, community coaches, And our main goal is to engage with the other educators using this resource on Twitter and on Facebook and for me on YouTube. And also we're part of a virtual conference that we'll be putting on this summer as well. So yeah, I mean, you know firsthand the power of this and we're looking forward to brain smashing more with you on this. It's important for us to also kind of step back for maybe some of our new teachers or people new to this concept of professional learning network and what it does. So Emily, do you want to start us off by outlining what that is and what that definition could be? Yeah, totally. And we're also going to refer to it as PLN. That's us getting acronymy again. That's not a word, but now it is. Um, <laughs> PLN, Professional Learning Network, is the group of people that you connect with professionally and the way you have of sharing your content. So Kathy mentioned creating. That's a great way of putting it. You spend some time creating content, but your professional learning network are the people that you share that content with. And also there's a give and take to it. They're the people that you get content content and ideas and provide creative sparks for you. And often it happens digitally across towns and cities and states and even internationally in many regards. You find your people and they're the people you continue to look for inspiration and who usually are responsive to what you have to share as well. So this is a pretty metaphoric episode for those of our listeners who have stuck with us. You know that metaphors are always a big part of what we do. I know. Um, I don't know by now. (laughs) Do we do a good metaphor here? (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) Um, But talking about the concept of professional learning networks as eating, everyone but my kid loves to eat. So, (laughs) But when you think about the PLN in terms of the different types of settings where you could get food, We've already talked about the potluck being 
you have something to share and are willing to create something and put it out there. But that's not always the most comfortable place for people to start at. So there's other levels. So one example would be the drive through. So it's fast, it's quick, it's convenient. I need a resource or I need a quick strategy to use with my students tomorrow. And that's what I'm going to go for. You're not going to spend a lot of time. You're just going to get what you need and go through fast. I love the drive through concept. And especially that's where I got my, I would say my start with really investing in a PLN because I didn't have the time. I was juggling so much with my classroom lessons and also simultaneously instructional coaching that it was really a challenge for me to really dive deep into some of that reading blogs or watching vlogs because they take a little bit longer time investment, even listening to podcasts, let's be real. And so there are some really nice ways to touch really quick on things, especially through Twitter. It's just so fast and you can consume a lot in a quick amount of time and you can take and leave what you need. Yeah, you mentioned Twitter, Jenny. I think that idea of being a Twitter lurker, like I lurked for years <laughs> before I felt like I had anything to say. But that's kind of that drive through model. You getting these, I, I hate to say nuggets, but you literally are nuggets, <laughs> nuggets in the drive through <laughs> of things people are sharing that you can use in your educational life. You can bring to your students and bring out right away. So like if you've ever been to a good demo slam, that's drive through style too. And you can get so much in so little time and just bam, immediately. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Demo slam being you've got three minutes to listen to someone share a tool really quick. And as soon as they start, it's kind of done. Emily, your idea of going to Twitter and just being a lurker, that was my journey as well. But I would actually say that that's more of like the buffet model. I would try to gather and curate in my likes anything that I could find that may at one point be remotely useful. I'd like fill up my plate with anything that I could. And because of everything that is out there and available on Twitter, you can get full really, really fast and almost have to like break away from it for a little while. So, well, Casey, you're talking about that just makes me think of binging, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and you hear about binging Netflix, but the same can go for your PLN as well. And that's why I love podcasting, because when I'm commuting in the car, that's something that you can binge a lot of, especially when you find a really good show that has many episodes that you can listen one after the other after the other. So that's another way of getting into the buffet and taking mm-hmm. in a lot of stuff if you have the time and you find the way to do it. And there's other ways of engaging in that buffet model. If you go to conferences or whether those are virtual or face-to-face, you can also experience that buffet model in that form as well. So we'll start with Kathy with our next segment. It's more of a Q&A kind of thing, but think about your first meal, Kathy, with your PLN. Was it more of a potluck, more of a buffet, or was it more drive-through? If you want to tell us a little bit more about that experience. I would say before I became an open up math community coach, it was definitely more of a buffet, get my fill. I tend to like all research and get lost in a rabbit hole for a long time about collecting resources and ideas and things that fire me up. But then applying them or actually taking one, shall I say, morsel. Is that a good reference? Am I Yes. Do I get do I get a membership in the club? Bonus point. Uh, oh, yes. you were a guild member before we <laughs> yep. started, girl. <laughs> hey, and there's I, a game I, at the end. She's got her bonus point. Oh already. yeah, you've already <laughs> got okay. the point okay. going okay. into it. You're on the board. <laughs> take it. So I would take that morsel and try it right away. And then I think you get to the point when you talked about the give and the take where you're so 
passionate and you believe so strongly in something that you need to now give back Mm -hmm. and you want to share it. So that's where I transitioned more into the potluck. But I'll be honest, even when I started out as an open up coach last August, I think this is a good thing, but it's a nerve wracking thing. I felt like, what do I have to offer? Am I even going to give something that's worthy for someone else? And I think that comes from humility and insecurity both at the same time. And I do think that in leadership, both of those things are good, actually. They can be assets to work for us because we never should think that we are all that, right? Absolutely. I connect to that feeling so much, Kathy, because honestly, that was my earlier experiences were more or less just going to the buffet, consuming, consuming, consuming. But that feeling of, I guess, imposter syndrome, we talked about in a previous episode, feeling like, "Eh, I don't think I have anything to add here, but not to dip back into old stuff even more, but this idea of having what I call nervous pride about what you have to share. I used to think that that nervousness meant that it wasn't good enough to share. Now I feel like if you're both proud of it and nervous about it, it's all the more worthy for that feeling because you're protecting something good almost. You don't want to share it because you don't want people to not love it as much as you love it. But that feeling of, should I share or shouldn't I? I teetered on that edge for way too long, probably. Until I had to kick you over it, didn't I? You did. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) Every experience with me bringing something to the potluck has been somebody saying, hey, come (laughs) to the potluck, (laughs) bring a dish to share. (laughs) Well, I have to attribute some of my tiptoeing over the edge and jumping into the pool, so to speak, from Casey. She helped me brainstorm and listen to what my vision could look like and could possibly be. So... Sometimes it takes a person to prompt you, to encourage you, and to believe in you. And not that I want to live in the feminist pool at all, but I feel like as women who have this desire for leadership, this desire for sharing, I feel like that is something we often have to do for each other. Because sometimes it's easier to listen to that anxiety monster instead of reflecting and knowing deep down that you have something really valuable and awesome to share. So thanks, Kathy. That was so nice. I remember you in one of our first Twitter workshops, <laughs> you know, oh, that was oh, yeah. seeing where you are now. It just makes me glow with excitement for you. Aww. <laughs> so I know we've sort of dabbled in this already, but what do you find to be the power in finding your PLN and sharing what you have to offer with that group of people? Well, I'm thinking specifically monthly, I'm part of PLC nights. So three times a month, there's a sixth grade, a seventh grade, and an eighth grade one. I'm presently presenting for the seventh grade level. We come together and people are invited through a link on Facebook or Twitter. And educators come to learn either about a unit, learn about an instructional routine, or a certain math concept. And By sharing and being the presenter and sharing my take or experience with a lesson or just promoting some of the important routines in the program, I get actually so much more from the other people that attend and just putting it out there. A lot of times my not so successful moments Mm -hmm. end up being the most powerful things that people I've had a couple people email me after our PLC nights and say, thank you so much for admitting this is your first time using whiteboard.chat or this is your first time doing a presentation and you're diving into Desmos as a platform. And I'll I'll say, okay, this is the first time I've done it. I forget how to do this. Does somebody know? Mm -hmm. Being very transparent and willing to take a risk can give you an adrenaline rush, right? 
it's exciting. And then it also inspires other people to do the same. Well, it's that humility aspect. If somebody knows everything about something that almost keeps the sharing to a minimum, because then it's not necessarily a super safe environment or place. And I've always found that too in my own professional practice by modeling that humility, by modeling like, I don't know everything. I just am not afraid to press buttons sometimes. You know, it creates a certain level of psychological safety for other people being willing to share and be open. You can't do it for the wrong reasons. The power of it isn't for how many likes, how many subscribers, how many people comment on my tweet. It can't be about that. It's easy to get into that at first and feel that need for that. But one time I had somebody watch a video and contacted me on a comment on my YouTube video. And I ended up, we exchanged numbers and I ended up doing a little session with him two summers ago just to help him. He was starting a brand new job in Colorado. He was so ignited by this program. He didn't know if he could sell it like his school would be willing to do it, but he wants to do some of the routines that he saw me do videos of, of actually doing it with my students. And just that one person that you reach is enough. And that Mm -hmm. is your why. We used to do something called soup night. And it was something that I was inspired to do. So I went to Goodwill and bought lots of different spoons and lots of different cool bowls from like the 50s and 60s and I would invite different families and not even ask anyone to RSVP. I'm just like, it's soup night. Mm -hmm. I will have the soup and the bread, bring a salad or dessert, and whoever shows up, shows up. Well, one time, only one family came. And my daughter was three at the time, and she was so mad. She had made signs. She was all about, you got to have a lot of people for it to be meaningful, right? The one family showed up, and she was so, I admit, even inside, I was a little disappointed, thinking, I wanted a lot of people. Because I was missing the point. Yeah. Soup night was about whoever showed up. It was a lesson for me watching my daughter feel that disappointment. And it was also a lesson to teach her about whoever was meant to be here was here for a reason. And that is why they showed up. It's not about the likes. It's not about the subscribers. It's about that one person that you reach. So that was a really important thing. And that is what's been powerful to me. And to bring it around to, again, Emily, we're connecting the dots to some of our previous episodes, but one of the ones we just mentioned with the imposter syndrome, the mantra that we talked about is find your focal point. And it sounds to me, Kathy, like when you really have that real focal point as your why, it really serves as the deeper purpose for the work that you do and the ripple effect, no matter how wide or expansive that is, is still important because here you are, you're talking about somebody from Colorado who otherwise you never would have been able to connect with, but yet you put yourself out there, had that focal point, and it wasn't about the masses and it was more about changing education or inspiring people in education one person at a time. Yes. And my mantra has been teach, reflect, impact. So what am I doing as a teacher How am I reflecting on my practice or my students reflecting on my practice and their own practice? And how can that impact our growth and our students' growth? Another thing I was thinking about, because this year, you know, has been challenging for everybody, everybody, teachers, parents, children, every company. It's just been a challenging year. I have not felt as creative this year, I have to be honest. And I had to reconcile that early on this fall. It's not a have to. It's got to be a want to. And until I feel inspired again, I have to table it. So I really have not put out that many videos this year, but I'm starting to again. And I've actually wrote my first blog recently too about the power of the chat Mm -hmm. and some of the beautiful things that I have seen in the chat window from students and how it can be 
a glimpse or a window into their thinking. And that's been so fulfilling for me. So being creative rather than a consumer is very important, but it's got to be at the right time. It can't be forced. It's so true. Great points, all of it. Educators, we always are kind of light bulb junkies. We're chasing this high of seeing people connect. But really, if you can get just one or two people in, and I like this idea of giving people permission to have a little bit of off time, off couple of months, couple of weeks, we cannot always be at our creative maximized state. It's a really tough thing to do. But one thing I would mention too is this idea of what you can maybe just thinking of it as a swinging pendulum like sometimes you're creating and that's what's bringing you energy but sometimes just by sitting on the sidelines for a little while and then letting somebody else refresh you with what they're sharing it might give you energy to start your creative process over again as a part of a PLN. Well I'm thinking about the potluck You're not going to want to be in the kitchen all the time. Nobody wants that. So that's another way to connect the dots. That's why I only do potluck, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) Or or grill. Then my husband's the one outside. (laughs) Perfect. I am just so in love with this conversation. I just have to say that. But what are some tangible suggestions that we as a guild have for new neighbors? Typically, a potluck is a way that you can bring the whole neighborhood together. But for people who want to engage for the first time with a PLN, let's do like a round robin here. What are some suggestions or tips we have for new neighbors? I would suggest teaming up. So Again, I say guild up all the time, but really find some people who are inspirational to you or even just that idea of sharing creative energy with somebody else. And I'm serious, I wouldn't have done this without you guys and a lot of the professional presentations or things that I've shared with PLN even. I wouldn't have jumped off that lurker ledge if I hadn't gotten a push here and there. So look at who's saying you should share and say, okay, well, I might feel more confident if we shared together get some buddies in the mix. Sometimes it can really help to have someone alongside you. What first comes to mind is, if you're the new neighbor, open the door when someone knocks. If you think of, I know sometimes if like I hear a doorbell ring or something, I'm like, oh my gosh, who is it? Who knocks on the door these days? I mean, COVID. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? But really, it's being open to that bid. So when somebody's reaching out to you to be like, hey, come join the potluck, join the neighborhood, we're all getting together. It's really easy to when you're feeling intimidated, or you're an introvert at heart to be like, I'm just going to stay inside. But answering that call to meet up with people is not always easy, and myself included for you to do. But recognize, hey, someone is putting that bid out there. Maybe I will take that risk and see what else could come from it. Maybe it's something, maybe it's not, but at least you got to put yourself out there in order to learn or to be able to participate. I was going to say, I was thinking of a couple things while you both were talking. Two words came to mind, promote and revoice. So if somebody is like afraid to put themselves out there or share something on Twitter or write a blog or be on teacher Instagram, one way that you can dabble in it without feeling so vulnerable is to revoice what somebody else is doing or promote them. Take something of excellence that somebody else has done and promote that. Twitter can be very intimidating. Personally, for me, I feel like, am I smart enough to say something on Twitter? Am I intellectual enough? I don't know. The math community is quite impressive on Twitter, Mm -hmm. but sometimes just maybe retweeting somebody's brilliance and then having a thoughtful comment is a good way to start. 
and engage. We have Twitter chats every Monday night also, hashtag open up math. Yes. And those are at 7.30 Central, 8.30 Eastern. And each week we have a different topic. And there's a teacher in Australia who's on a totally different time zone that's always on it. I don't know if she's teaching in the middle of the day while she's doing the Twitter (laughs) chat. She probably is. But now she's starting to tag my handle, Math Reflective, in her different tweets. Like she's been experimenting with whiteboard.chat. And so she's tagging me and some other people. And now I'm getting all these, not likes, but just notifications. And it's enlarging my PLN. No, I love that. And that's similar, Kathy, to what mine was. Except it's more of the, so I get an idea from somebody else. One way I can start by dabbling is to honor that person's idea and share what I did with it. So in more of that celebration sort of thing, like this is how you inspired me. Thank you so much for doing that. Because then that person's probably going to interact and really start that conversation. So honoring what somebody else did not only nourishes you and allows you to take that step forward, but it also is going to encourage that person to continuously share. So it's this beautiful oh continuum gosh. and beautiful cycle. Yes. Of you giving, took it to a whole new level. <laughs> of giving an appreciation. And really, that's what the PLN potluck is all about. I take, but I also give. And that reciprocity is just so amazing when it happens. I have to interject one more time because it makes me think about my students in a math classroom. One of our other Open Up coaches wrote a blog specifically about revoicing and the importance of that for students and how empowering that can be when somebody has an idea or a strategy or a process of how they solved a problem. And I tell my students, I just said it this week, they said, oh, so-and-so said, I go, no, you own it now. Yeah. So-and-so put it out there. It is now part of your repertoire and your toolbox. You have that knowledge now. You have that power. Yes, you're giving them the credit but it is now yours as well and how empowering that can be for students. So that just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> Take it or leave it. But I would also say when you're at the potluck, pay attention to who's serving up what, because you never know what elements of recipes are going to get remixed into what you're dishing out in the future or who you might connect with or collaborate with. And so I tend to, when I engage in professional learning, always collecting names and connections and paying attention to what some of their core ideas are, like what their thing is. So you can think like, okay, I'm going to want to come to something you're doing in the future because this is really speaking to me. Or I might want to follow this person on Twitter and see what else they got. As a consumer, you want to consider what might inspire you and who might inspire you. So pay attention to who's making what. If you come to a potluck at my house, (laughs) I have this thing called lucky plate. So whether it's an adult or when my kids were growing up, there's always a lucky plate and my friends always forget. And they look under their plate. Whoever's got the sticker gets a prize. I love that. Emily, you were talking about being a critical consumer in a sense, looking at and identifying patterns. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's important because we're singing the kumbaya praises of the PLN, it's very important to be cautiously optimistic when you're looking at things. So as Kathy mentioned, sometimes creators out there are looking for those likes and doing whatever they can to perpetuate that brand or that narrative that they have for themselves. And I think it's really important to look at the consuming that you're doing and making sure it aligns with that big why, that big purpose. So I think that's another thing we do want to bring up that sometimes what people bring to the PLN potluck is so nourishing and fantastic. 
makes it hard to swallow anything else that people put out. So we just spent a lot of time sharing some specifics on how to interact with our professional learning network. I also think it's fun to offer some additional ideas for what people may be willing to share. Again, using our metaphor. So what are some things that you may bring to a potluck? So we've listed off some things as a guild. I figured we take turns throwing out these different analogies and maybe connecting them to our educational field and practice. So appetizers, dinners, and desserts. So what might those things be if we're talking about sharing with the PLN? Emily mentions this a lot. People just want to win. They want quick strategies. They want hacks. That's typically where we find ourselves creating content in that what I would consider an appetizer or a dessert or something that's quick and small, but it's going to get people hooked because you get a lot for a little bit. I've got a couple connections. So dinner, when I think of dinner and it being like the full meal, the loaded plate with all the different varieties of things, I typically think of a good conference, especially if you've got a couple of decent workshops in there. So it's a little bit longer. You savor it a little bit more. There's a little bit more diversity of experience even within the set format. But I think of dinner as kind of being either a really good conference experience and or a good workshop either within that or separately. As far as desserts go, what I was thinking of that as being is like the relationship driven stuff that you can find out there where it's showing some of the stuff that just feels really good, where you can see teachers connecting with kids or you can see actual students engaging with something or even just the stuff where people are deeply appreciating educators on an authentic level. It's sweet. Mm -hmm. It helps and people feel good and we want it. That's the type of thing I would consider being dessert is maybe the more relationship driven type of PLN stuff. I've got an idea about dessert as well. In our school a couple years ago and last year even, we had more opportunity to visit each other's classrooms and identify our own areas of growth, our own areas of strength, and then capitalize and leverage what other people have to offer. And that was dessert for me to go in to a teacher's classroom that I wouldn't normally be in and just be wowed at how unique and different and excellent they are. That was definitely dessert. I see appetizers like a Twitter chat, whets your appetite a little bit, gets you hungry for more. And not to plug my side side gig, but our virtual conference is called Hive with Open Up Resources this summer in July. And that will definitely be a dinner because there'll be keynote speakers. There'll be three-hour sessions and flex sessions. What's unique about it is it's a conference of all teachers and administrators and coaches that use this resource. So everybody that's there uses the same curriculum. Right. That's it's, rare. It's part of that family, right? It's everyone's coming to the potluck to sit at the table. It's that everyone's, family reunion yes. coming together. Yep. So everyone can and communally. Reflect. I don't want to do, I like potluck because I don't want to do it all on my own. Right. Who's got time for that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So another, another analogy here of what you may bring to the potluck, recipes that work and Pinterest fails. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll talk about this one because I really, really love this. So when I think about the recipes that work in the PLM, these are the celebration moments. These are when I'm either working with a teacher or I'm doing something as an instructional coaching practitioner. These are the wins that I have had. And I'm going to put that out there to my PLN to share that awesome that's happening. And the Pinterest fail is where something didn't work 
and I'm soliciting feedback and advice from that really skillful, intelligent group of people on how to get myself moving forward or moving out of that moment. And the educator community is so welcoming of that because we are natural helpers. We want to help. So when you hear that, and that goes back to the humility piece that we talked about earlier as well. When you share that piece of not being perfect and not having all of the answers, it really opens you up to being a credible source that you're going to be truthful about what you know and what you don't. What about taste tests? Anyone have a connection there? I think the taste test is you've gotten a little bit of a look at what it is. You've put it on your plate. But the real taste test is when you try it with students or when you're, say, in your coaching role, you're trying it with a teacher in their class and one of your partners. So I think when you bring it into the actual instructional world is when you actually get a sense of the real flavor of it. Does it work or doesn't it work for you? Dang, good connection there, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was, I don't know how to follow that up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this is a discussion question for all of us. When we initially posted this particular episode, we playfully were brainstorming different foods that we would bring to a potluck. But let's talk about what's the tuna noodle casserole for everybody when it comes to a potluck. When you think of that, what is that for either the potluck structure or when we talk about making that connection to educational improvement and growth? I think about it as there's a lot of things that go into it. It's not just one thing. Mm -hmm. So instructionally, for me to work on my craft, it's not going to just be one thing. I'm going to have to consider a lot of elements and a lot of ingredients to do it. And those ingredients need to meld together just the right way, Mm -hmm. right? So that you get the flavor that you want. When I think of the tuna noodle casserole, I think it gets a bad rap. I don't know. I like tuna. I'm just going to lay it out there. I don't mind tuna. I like like tuna. I I like tuna noodle casserole. (laughs) And when you think about it, many of these ingredients that go into tuna noodle casserole, that recipe became popularized in the 50s. And I think of the reason that was, was because these were ingredients that were always in your cupboard, that you always Mm -hmm. had, that they were tried and true. You knew you had them. They were staples. They worked. So I would say that the tuna noodle casserole are those instructional strategies that work with your kids. Ding, ding, ding. She wins. <laughs> bonus points. Do I get bonus points? I like it. Maybe more the points? lucky plate. Throw more points. She might get Ooh, the lucky, lucky plate, plate for that one. Staples. Perfect. That was good. I'm along the same lines, Jenny, as you in thinking about the tuna noodle casserole. That was always something that my mom would occasionally work nights. And that was the one thing that she would always make for my dad to put in the oven because that's all he could handle was turning on an <laughs> oven and putting food in. But that to me just signals family and comfort. So I actually love the tuna noodle casserole. That's probably the first thing I go towards, especially if it has potato chips on top. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. But potato I think chips. that can also be a metaphor for somebody who's looking to try to embrace and be a part of a PLN. Either look for a tuna casserole. What's a big something that provides you energy, makes you feel happy, provides you a little bit of safety and comfort of home to share or find that thing. If you're not even engaging in a PLN at all and you just are wanting to look at it from that consumer angle, find your tuna noodle casserole and start there. Yep. And it's okay to go to the comfortable and easy thing, but I think we're Tried talking about that again and in a minute. Yep. yep. <laughs> Tried and true. Well, and I think that ties into our next bullet point, 
which is don't be intimidated by the potluck ringers. There's always that one person who brings the beautiful yogurt, fruit, fresh parfait that you know the granola is homemade. There's always that person. You don't have to be that person to steal Emily's analogy. It's okay to bring the Rotel and Vovita. It's okay to bring the tuna casserole. It's okay. The cocktail weenies. Yeah. Because yeah. that's my number one thing to bring. And it's always devoured. Yes. Yep. Devour that. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So that came from a story at a potluck <laughs> that I was at once where one of our friends who is a trained chef was sitting there eating Rotel and Velveeta. He's like, this tastes stupid, but I can't stop eating it. It's <laughs> so good. So good. And just like Rotel and Velveeta cheese. That's all that's in it. It's not complicated, folks, but it's really delicious. And sometimes that's all you need. It doesn't have to be this fancy, high level thing. And sometimes even somebody who is a trained professional will be like, this is really good. It's simple yeah. and it's what we need. Kathy, well, I'll give you the option. Do you want to go first and share a takeaway? Or take us home at the end and share a takeaway from today's episode. Oh, my gosh. I think at the end. At the end. Okay. Because I have nothing right now. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I have everything. I've consumed so much of the buffet that I'm... You're full. <laughs> I need to unzip. <laughs> oh. All right. I got you. I think we've been talking about this a lot. And the idea is to jump in. You don't have to be perfect at what you do. You don't have to have the most complicated or impressive thing to share what you do. The thought is just to look in your cupboard, find something that works and share it and share it with an open mind and heart. There will be, like Kathy said earlier, that one person that you can look to to connect and hopefully more than one, but all in all, whatever you have is worthy of somebody's time and energy. Bring it to the table. For me, engaging in a PLN has been a game changer. I think back to before I was really a part of a PLN and how isolated I felt in the four walls of my classroom with my kids. And while I knew and believed in my heart that I cared about my students and I was a good teacher, it wasn't until I put myself out there and was like, what else is out there? What else can I contribute? And what can I learn that my mind was blown what I was able to bring into my classroom with my students was far and away better than what I could have done by myself. And it brought back a whole bunch more joy. For me, Kathy, you said something very close to this and it gave me goosebumps when you said it. Intention matters. When you come into this PLN with that open heart, being willing to share, sometimes you can get caught up in, oh my gosh, this big person or liked all my stuff or I have this many likes. And it's really not about that. It's about that feeling you get of wanting to share your practice with others and getting that in return can just be completely life-giving. Are you unzipped, uh, Kathy? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've had to loosen the waistline now after all this, this veritable buffet. There's so many things that I could say, so many wonderful things that were talked about. But I think for people that are still thinking, oh, I really don't have that. I don't have that PLN. I would say to you, just show up, bring what you have, and you're going to get back far more than you give. Awesome. So good. I kind of don't want to even play the game because that was so good. But I know we have typically with our episodes, we always play a series of games at the end. So we all ready to transition into game time? 
Yeah, and let's see what's the scoreboard already. Yeah. Kathy has how many bonus points? She's got <laughs> she's got one pair of elastic bonus pants. <laughs> I got the lucky plate. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So everybody, now it is game time. So our first question for the game, and this is worth four cans of Rotel and one brick of Velveeta cheese. What is your go-to dish that you bring to the work or family potluck? I'm coming in hot, guys. I want that Rotel and Velveeta. <laughs> <laughs> I always make the bacon-wrapped dates stuffed with goat cheese. Everybody likes those. I'm the buffalo chicken dip girl. Mm. I will always bring the buffalo chicken dip and the tortilla chips, and that stuff is always gone. Well, there's a legacy in my family of making homemade pies. So for me, it's, it's a homemade pie. What's your specialty? Last week was blueberry. Oh, man. I got... I I don't remember. I'm so tired. What is my go-to pot? You guys are like, what's food? She's like, I usually bring forks and plates. I know. (laughs) I have three kids. I have no time. It's whatever Jewel has on sale. I have to do a potluck in... Uh, 15 months at least (laughs) minimum what is my go-to i I was prepared you guys i don't it like went (laughs) forks and knives (laughs) plastic forks and knives all right somebody's gotta bring it (laughs) all right keeping it real keeping Um, it real because i'm just gonna be honest mine requires very little to no talent i'm gonna give the Velveeta and rotel to kathy because baking pies homemade takes talent yeah for real (laughs) What is the one thing at the potluck you will always make room for? Bonus points to the weirdest one. Oh, mine's not weird. I love a chocolate chip cookie that I will throw you down out of the way to get the chocolate chip cookie if it's the last one. I'm right with you on desserts and mine is lemon bars. I can't pass up lemon bars ever. Okay, so mine is a little weird and I'm going to give it with a caveat because I know it's going to probably gross people out. Deviled eggs. I love deviled eggs. And I know that can freak people out, especially if it's like the family reunion and it's outside and they've been sitting out for forever. But I'm a deviled egg girl. Oh, but a good deviled egg is really good. Oh, I, I feel, like I feel it. you. So yeah, good. Deviled eggs are And awesome. they can have relish or not. Uh, it doesn't matter. They're so good. I always make room. Kathy, you mentioned this earlier in the episode, but cocktail weenies. Yes. <laughs> it's like you can always make more room for those, right? Yes. Yes, they're amazing. I highly suggest dipping them in apricot preserves, which sounds weird, but it's amazing. Kathy, you've got lots of practice with pro potluck things. I can totally tell. (laughs) All right, who's the winner? Aren't you the one who's deviled eggs? I'm the weirdest. (laughs) Deviled eggs. Yeah, deviled eggs for sure. I think she created that. Yeah, I did. Knowing, yeah, I stacked the decks. So I win. What do I win? I win a whole bunch of plastic knives and forks. And a tub of mayo. (laughs) You need some mayo. Love it. Okay, which would you rather? Would you rather commit a PLN party foul or show up to a potluck empty-handed? So I have a hack for everybody who is the fork and knife person, (laughs) which clearly I am. (laughs) I'm giving away all of my secrets here. I'm so sorry to all of my friends that invite me to these potlucks. They're going to be like, she totally did that to me. Now I know. So my hack is, well, I would rather go to a potluck empty handed. And here's what I do. If I can't make something on the way there, I call the host and I say, what are you missing? What do you need me to pick up? Whether it's flowers or ice or something like that. So I could still be a participant, 
but if I'm not prepared, I've got my hack. Well, because there, well, there's like, always something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's extra bonus points as a friend. The host would love you. Yeah, but I'm still empty handed. I didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Em? I'm kind of with Jenny. I could show up to the potluck empty handed, but I bring like toys for their kids or like ice bags or something. I'm never really empty handed, but if you don't have food, a lot of times at a potluck, nobody notices. <laughs> But like, there's so many people there. Yeah. Yeah. There's it, always too much food. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a little late, which I'm not great at being on time to things in general. So uh, there's been a few times here and fams and friends, I'm sorry. I'm not as smart as Jenny to call before and ask, but I'll just have like a bag of ice over my shoulder or again, just, okay, they're the ones with the really nice pool. So I bring a bunch of beach balls and stuff here, kids. Everybody have fun. Everybody already ate. It's okay. I have a hard time because I wouldn't want to do either of these. I definitely don't like to show up to a potluck empty-handed if I've already committed to bringing something. But if I haven't committed, I'm okay with it, I guess. That would be the one I would choose. This is hard because in my family, food is always the way we show we love each other. So me showing up empty-handed to a potluck meal, I won't even engage in school luncheons if I haven't brought a thing. That to me is just so blatantly party foul. So I think I would rather commit a PLN party foul, like accidentally not attributing something to somebody because these aren't people in my immediate close circle. So they're maybe more likely to either A, not notice or B, forgive me, just because that's how I show love to people and that I care about them is by bringing them something to the party. And I'm socially awkward, so (laughs) (laughs) you embrace it. It's the way that I like kind of dodge the hug. I'm like, oh, I have food here. I can't hug you. (laughs) That's so honest. So last one, which is your preferred mode of PLN, your PLN platform? So it's this or that, Twitter, YouTube, or TikTok? Well, since I have a YouTube channel, I'm going to go with YouTube. (laughs) Nice. I'm a Twitter person. I'm too old for TikTok, I guess. (laughs) It's okay. I second that. I'm Twitter. I'm going to cheat a little bit and say drive through TikTok, potluck, Twitter, because I finally learned how to flat iron my hair using TikTok. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. It's not professional, but if I'm looking for something quick, that is where I'm going now, TikTok, whereas Twitter, it's my deep processing and reflection. All right. So cool. Thanks for playing. The winner of this game is clearly Kathy because she's amazing and brilliant and just made us better humans as a result of her amazing contribution. Emily, why don't you give us a taste of what's to come? All right. So everybody knows it's a little bit tough to step away from what you're doing at the end of the year. We're all in teacher mode and this year particularly has just been go, 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 go. But with summer coming up, Grounded Learners Guild is not able to completely step away from the mics. We still want to hang out with our listeners over the summer, but we're going to switch it up and embrace a format that really engages us in some 
more mini episode length and also just a more playful, silly format. So our summer playground mini series is going to include some bite-sized episodes and a little more engagement with pop culture. We've toyed around with a couple ideas for names, one of which is Six Degrees of Education. So we really hope that you guys can tune in, listeners, and join us for our summer mini project so we can make some fun ties between pop culture trends in music, media, TV, movies, and the educational world that we all inhibit. So we really hope that you can still join us over the summer. We hope to make it a fun one. And then Kathy, when was that open up resource conference, virtual conference happening? The math portion for Hive 2021 is July 12th through 16th, followed by the following week would be for the ELA. Thanks so much for joining us, Kathy. It was awesome to talk to you. Thank you. It was a blast. And that's a wrap for season one of the Grounded Learners Guild. It's been a hugely rewarding learning experience to create this space for you. Educator listeners, you've been there and you know how hard it can be to step away from teacher mode, regardless of what the calendar says. However, in the spirit of summer, it's time to play a little. So join us in our summer playground miniseries for bite-sized episodes for a game we are calling Six Degrees of Education for popular culture trends in music and media, movies and more, as we challenge ourselves to make connections to trending educational concepts. Be sure to check out Twitter to connect with us as well. You can find us on thegroundedlearnersguild.com, on Twitter at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie. And as always, we believe in the power of feedback. It helps us to keep growing and allows us to bring you quality and customized content. Subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, for our inaugural season of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the playground, and even though it's summer, do your best to stay grounded.